we're back to your Liberation Station radio show, Chris Steiner Review. This June 18th, 2023 edition is live, and we are streaming live on several platforms for the first time today. Uh, well, the most platforms that we streamed last week. Uh, we tried out the software this week. We're doing better with it, and hopefully uh, it'll only improve. Um, ironed out some issue, audio issue during the break, I think. I hope uh, my audio sounds better. But uh, please, if I sound the least bit off, let me know. <laughs> um, I'm paying attention to the chat room. All right, thanks for Bailey. Sounding fairly good now, she says. So if you go in the chat room over at the listen slash archives page at theliberationstation.com, I just posted those video streaming platforms where we're streaming, facebook.com slash Republic Broadcasting, Facebook.com slash We Are Change Campus, Twitter.com slash Liberation S-T-A-T-N, Rumble.com slash Liberation Station, Twitch.tv slash Liberation Station, DLive.tv slash Liberation Station, and Vaughn.live slash Liberation Station. And um, once I finalize that list, I'm able to accommodate up to eight platforms, and I shall be putting that into the uh, more prominent area of the, the streaming description and on my website, uh, and uh, also need to reorganize my website a bit to accommodate to, to um, point out the new changes so uh, we can gain more popularity for the show, for the network, and for the information, the information out there uh, that I hope is... Uh, that I hope would get to those who need it the most. Um, and uh, not just the preaching to the choir, but on all these platforms would be a big help. So, let us resume and uh, try to find where I left off here, folks. Um, oh, yes, and I got your message um, from uh, Bruce in California. Uh, he wanted to know what the name of that uh, song, the Rise Up song, was. I think uh, I think you're talking about Army of Me. The song is Army of Me by Anastasia, and uh, her last her her name is Anastasia A N A S T A C I A. It ends in a C I A.
on Skype, folks, if we've been off the air, as well as um, checking. Yeah. Uh, oh, I've been. Yeah, we've been off for about two minutes here. Okay. Uh, haha. Um, but we have been live streaming on on the internet. So, um, are we back on the air now? It looks like we are back on the air. Yeah, on the RBN stream, um, I've been I'm hearing uh, music as well as my voice, ta- uh, my voice. So I'm not sure uh, what's happening here. That's it. Okay, we're back. We are back. I don't hear anything but my voice now. So um, had to double check here. I'm gonna have to. Um, I'm just gonna have to continue uh, where I left off. I'm not sure uh, where we were here. Uh, I'm going to continue where I, I'm going to start out where, uh, just before the break, this article. Um, and once again, if, uh, if the caller, uh, Charles, uh, wanted to know the name of the song, it's Army of Me by Anastasia. Anastasia spelled uh, with a CIA at the end. Uh, Bruce in California was asking that question. So it's Army of Me is the name of that song by Anastasia. And the continuing the article from Children's Health Defense entitled, this government-approved COVID treatment was a death trap. June 8, 2023, by Joseph Mercola, Dr. Joseph Mercola, talking about ventilators, intubation. And uh, now I will resume where I started uh, at the break, and I was told that there was an issue uh, with a RBN um, not broadcasting. So, not sure if this was already re- if this is going to be repeated. Quote, thus, the spikes in mortality among young people cannot be attributed to COVID-19. Most notably, a significant spike in mortality appears among all age groups in California at the end of 2020. One possibility is that while the use of ventilators was generally scaled back, hospitals in California may have still been engaging in broad intubation and other iatrogenic or medical practices by the end of 2020. Even more strangely, Texas experienced a surge in deaths among young people in summer 2021 that was not accompanied by a corresponding increase in mortality among the elderly. This, frankly, may have had nothing to do with COVID. That said, the fact remains that the New York area experienced a uniquely sharp, awful mortality event in spring 2020, which is not adequately explained by any of these other factors. And doctors were under significant pressure to put patients on ventilators in spring 2020, even even if it was merely unconscious. Politicians had purchased tens of thousands of ventilators at exorbitant prices, and hospitals did receive more funding if patients were placed on ventilators. Coupled with the above anecdotes about patients being placed on ventilators for extended periods to protect staff, 
and the fact that over 10,000 patients in New York City died after being intubated, it's clear that a horrifying number of patients were likely killed by mechanical ventilators. Yet astonishingly, despite all these facts, the establishment is arguing that no patients were killed by ventilators in spring 2020. This, to me, is the kind of implausible, overly defensive argument one makes when they are panicked. Across America, tens of thousands of patients were placed on ventilators in spring 2020. Given the vast majority of those patients died, it simply begs credulity that none of them were killed by ventilators. When a deadly procedure is applied to tens of thousands of patients, even a baseline level of human error would imply that the procedure was applied to at least some fraction of those patients by mistake. The establishment has responded with subsequent studies claiming to show that, quote, early intubation, end quote, actually reduced the time patients spent on ventilators and thus didn't kill any of them. But this is a straw man argument. The issue isn't whether patients were intubated early or late relative to any symptoms they might have shown. The issue is whether patients were placed on ventilators who should have been should have never been on them to begin with or otherwise kept on them too long, end quote. And those were the words of, of uh, Michael P. Sanger in his May 25th article, The Great COVID Ventilator Death Cover-Up, that this uh, Children's Health Defense Defender Magazine article quoted. And... Resuming uh, the article, almost done, a morally indefensible cover-up. Sanger points out that in speaking with other attorneys, most agree that hospitals face virtually no risk of litigation over ventilator deaths for the simple reason that everyone perceived COVID-19 to be a global emergency. And during emergencies, you just do the best you can with what you have and what you know, regardless of how much harm was done. It's simply too much to prove that the procedure violated the emergency standard of care given the information coming from China at the time, he writes. Even so, quote, the situation is morally inexcusable, end quote, Sanger says, adding that we need to get more, that we need, that we do need to get to the bottom of how and why these patients died. I agree, while Sanger wants the truth to understand what happened and to honor the deceased, I would add, we need the truth in order to avoid making the same mistake again because there will be a next time. The World Health Organization must be held to account. The WHO must be held accountable for its unethical recommendation to sacrifice suspected COVID-19 patients by using ventilation as an infection mitigation strategy. Especially considering they're now trying to get unilateral power and authority to make pandemic decisions without local input showing how the WHO's recommendation to put patients on mechanical ventilation resulted in needless death among people who weren't at great risk of dying from COVID-19 is perhaps one of the most powerful talking points the country can use to argue for independence and rejection of the WHO's pandemic treaty. And um, I'm just going to cut off the article there for the sake of time and uh, move on to the next bit of uh, the next clip here and uh, welcome your calls first if you'd like to comment on this or any other bit of news that you think is important 
call-in numbers are 512-248-8252. That's 512-248-8252. And troll free, 800-313-9443. That's 800-313-9443. Let's uh, get over now to the last edition of the High Wire with Dell Big Tree. This is from uh, last Thursday, June 15th, 2023, to Jackson, Jackson. He's talking a lot about uh, how the military was involved with the rollout of COVID shots. Again, the high wire would help make sure can be heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern 11 a.m. Pacific, thehighwire.com. And uh, click over the watch tab and watch live on the chat room. And also live on other platforms like Rumble, Not Live, um, and a few others that they don't list. But uh, I've got a list uh, to myself that they don't publicize for my research. So, um, uh, Let's see if we get this one in. Uh, All right, Jeffrey, what do, you, what do you have for us this week? All right, Dell. Well, we've been tracking since just days after the first coronavirus case in the United States in late January of 2020. We've been tracking this story uh, from thousands of internal emails showing how the scientific community manufactured the, the conversation away from lab origins. We had evidence at that time, early January, that this thing may have even came from a lab. And so our reporting on this has been, where did it come from? Who knew what? And when did they know it? And some more information has now dropped. This is some breaking news this week. There's been a lot of chatter. Last This past weekend, the Times reported from U.S. State Department officials, this was the headline, what really went on inside the Wuhan lab weeks before COVID erupted. So in this article, they're saying that in 2016, Chinese researchers discovered a new type of coronavirus in a mine shaft in Hunan province. And the people there, some of the people there had died of, uh, with symptoms similar to SARS. So what they did, uh, you know, again, this is according to investigators, U.S. State Department investigators, um, not named. So these are just sources at this point. But they, they, they're saying that that virus there was recognized as the earliest, the earliest member of this COVID-19 before the, before the pandemic. So that was taken to the Wuhan Institute of, of Virology. And uh, at, at that point, and at, they're saying that the, the paper trail starts to go dark at that point. This is the investigator saying this. Now, we do know that the National Institutes of Health in 2021 revealed in a letter to the House Oversight Committee that in 2018 and 2019, remember, NIH was funding EcoHealth Eco Alliance, yep. and they were doing bat coronavirus research out of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And that, so NIH revealed in this letter in 2021 that the Wuhan Institute of Virology created a coronavirus and it was more infectious in mice, but they did not report that as they were supposed to do in the grant to NIH in a timely manner. So mm -hmm. there was some shenanigans going on there. And now what we have here, so during this time, as this story has been unfolding, we have a we have a 2021 um, headline here, and this again, this is Intel, this is Intel agencies to, 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 uh, like internal reports, but this is ABC News 
2021 U.S. Intel report identified three Wuhan researchers who fell ill in November of 2019. So this is a big this is a big deal. And until until now, the three have never been named. So we have uh, journalists using their Substack, Matt Taibbi, uh, Michael Schellenberger, and Alex Gutentag, and they have written a paper or a, a Substack article now, and they claim, or the, the U.S. Uh, government sources claim that the first people sickened by COVID-19 were Chinese scientists at the Wuhan Lab Institute of Virology, and they're saying that they have the names now. So we go into this article, and this is kind of the, the, the addition to this story now, the latest edition. It says, according to multiple U.S. government officials interviewed as part of a lengthy investigation by Public and Racket, those are the names of their publications, the first people infected by the virus, patient zero, included Ben Hu, a researcher who led the WIV's gain-of-function research on SARS-like coronavirus, which increases the infectiousness of the viruses. Now, Ben Hu is a researcher at that organization, but we go on and we read this. Now, answers... Now, answers increasingly look within reach, it says. Sources within the U.S. government say that three of the earliest people to become infected with SARS-CoV-2 were Ben Hu, Yu Ping, and Yan Zhu. All were members of the Wuhan lab suspected to have leaked the pandemic virus. And who is Ben Hu? So he works at the, he worked at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And he was a researcher, specialty of SARS-CoV related viruses. And he even has papers with his name on and we will pause it right there and come back with the last edition of the High Wire with Dell Big Tree, Jeffrey Jackson's report being played here on Liberation Station Radio Show. For 14 years, it's been my privilege to host the National Intel Report on RBN, to offer a platform to interview exceptional guests, to provoke critical thought, and examine evidence, whether real, fake, or somewhere in between, and allow our audience to call in and participate with your input and questions in order to help us all reach an educated decision and arrive at our own truth. Our world has changed. It's now been turned on its head. Real is now considered fake and mainstream fake is now pushed as real rather than any any clear clear thinking, thinking, consensus, consensus or or rationale. Those few remaining beacons of light, the ones still shining through the mainstream media lies, propaganda and deception are being viciously attacked at every level through attempts at censorship, threatening advertisers, jailing hosts and even killing journalists brave enough to speak the truth to you. We are in a war for our very freedom and existence and through these despicable acts, freedom haters, collectivists and communitarians have shown they will stop at nothing to blot out these last few beacons of light. Truth is becoming increasingly more difficult to unmask just as the term unmasking itself is spoken by those usually anonymous sources. They promote their lies, wishing to mask the truths by ignoring it, vilifying it, or conspiratorializing it into a black hole abyss. Regrettably, RBN has reached reached the the tipping point, point, and through internal audit and actuarial review, it has now been determined that the only life raft of survival to this network is to go the way of PBS, that being audience-supported. Like a cornered animal, the left with veracity is pulling out all the stops with every effort to effectively blacken our beacon forever. Help us, folks. Help yourselves. Don't let our light stop shining. Our motto has always been, because you can handle the truth. It's time to review your budget, folks. If you want the truth to keep flowing through RBN, go to republicbroadcasting.org and become a regular monthly donor of 30, 40, 50, or 100 or more a month and ensure you keep the truth flowing. 
Here's some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. They can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3dbunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. Contact Brad at 3dbunkers.com for more details or visit 3dbunkers.com. station radio show with you and we'll just resume where we left off we're using a new microphone i think uh, we're sounding better and this is the last edition of the high wire with bell big tree featuring jeffrey jackson as usual jackson report talking about the intelligence the military um, involvement with the covid shot rollout and um i just re- rewind it uh just a little bit here so let us resume where we left off. Last this past weekend, the Times reported from U.S. State Department officials. This was the headline: What really went on inside the Wuhan lab weeks before COVID erupted? So, in this article, they're saying that in 2016, Chinese researchers discovered a new type of coronavirus in a mine shaft in Wunan Province. And the people there, some of the people there had died of uh, with symptoms similar to SARS. So what they did, uh, you know, again, this is according to investigators, U.S. State Department investigators, um, not named. So these are just sources at this point. But they, they, they're saying that that virus there was recognized as the earliest the earliest member of this COVID-19 before the, before the pandemic. So that was taken to the Wuhan Institute of, of Virology. And uh, at, at that point, and at, they're saying that the, the paper trail starts to go dark at that point. This is the investigator saying this. Now, we do know that the National Institutes of Health in 2021 revealed in a letter to the House Oversight Committee that in 2018 and 2019, 
remember NIH was funding Eco Health, Eco Health Alliance, yep. and they were doing bat coronavirus research out of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And they, so NIH revealed in this letter in 2021 that the Wuhan Institute of Virology created a coronavirus, and it was more infectious in mice. But they did not report that as they were supposed to do in the grant to NIH in a timely manner. So mm -hmm. there was some shenanigans going on there. And now what we have here. So during this time, as this story has been unfolding, we have a we have a 2021 um, headline here. And this again, this is Intel. This is Intel agencies t t t like internal reports. But this is ABC News. 2021 U.S. Intel report identified three Wuhan researchers who fell ill in November of 2019. So this is a big this is a big deal. And until until now, the three have never been named. So we have uh, journalists using their Substack, Matt Taibbi, uh, Michael Schellenberger, and Alex Gutentag, and they have written a paper or a, a Substack article now, and they claim or the U.S. government sources claim that the first people sickened by COVID-19 were Chinese scientists at the Wuhan Lab Institute of Virology, and they're saying that they have the names now. So we go into this article, and this is kind of the, the, the addition to this story now, the latest edition. It says, according to multiple U.S. government officials interviewed as part of a lengthy investigation by Public and Racket, those are the names of their publications, the first people infected by the virus, patient zero, included Ben Hu, a researcher who led the WIV's gain-of-function research on SARS-like coronavirus, which increases the infectiousness of the viruses. Now, Ben, who was a researcher at that organization, but we go on and we read this. Now answers, now, answers increasingly look within reach, it says. Sources within the U.S. government say that three of the earliest people to become infected with SARS-CoV-2 were Ben Hu, Yu Ping, and Yan Zhu. All were members of the Wuhan lab suspected to have leaked the pandemic virus. And who is Ben Hu? So he works at the, or he worked at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And he was a researcher, specialty of SARS-CoV SARS related viruses. And he even has papers with his name on it. So in 2017, he co-authored a paper called The Discovery of a Rich Gene Pool of Bat SARS Related Coronavirus provides new insights into the origin of SARS coronavirus. And on that paper are the other two people who fell ill. They're also co-authors. And then in 2019, he co-authored another paper, Geogra uh, Geographical Structure of Bat SARS-Related Coronaviruses. So this is the latest information. And according to that Substack article, next week, there is an expected release by the Director of National Intelligence. He's apparently supposed to release classified information. You know, again, this this is all kind of hearsay from sources. As journalists, this is how we this is how we work. But you know, this is still government intelligence right. agencies feeding information. So it'll be really interesting to see next week if this if this national intelligence report does come out. If these three individuals are named, this would add a lot of information to this. And it, you know, begs the question: the Biden administration kind of went cold on on really researching the origins of this virus. Yeah. So it, it's interesting that the State Department officials, U.S. investigators. Intel agencies are, are now coming forward and using journalists to leak this type of information. So this is a really interesting development at this point. Wow. Wow. And we will pause there, resuming when we return the last half hour Liberation Station radio show. I think audio sounds good. Let me know, folks. We'll be right back and pick it up where we left off. truth you're listening to republic broadcasting network real news real talk real people
Because you can handle the truth. Go to republicbroadcasting.org. Smash that donate button like Russian peacekeepers smashing through the Azov neo-Nazi terrorists in the Donbass. I don't think you can explain politics without looking at Jewish power any more than you can explain physics without dealing with gravity. 9-11 was a jointly conducted covert operation that involved multiple states, the Saudis, the Israelis, and what you could call the deep state in the cool, United with States. anti-Semitic remarks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're jiggling juice, we used to say, the, uh, the dancing Israelis. Uh, so even the Republicans now are compromising and they're pushing issues that are destructive to the white race. They would always say, like, are we just going to talk about this stuff on the radio? Like, what are we going to do about it? Either we force the democracy to work by actually getting the ballot access, getting the candidates, getting in office, getting our message out there to the people, or we expose just how undemocratic it is. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls, plus testing for heavy metals, makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from Simply Clean Foods, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on long-term food storage in the rotating sponsors' banners to support RBN. Simply Clean Foods. Do it today. Don't become dependent on the medical system. Get and stay healthy naturally with Extendivite. Metals in the liver cause peroxides to get dumped into the bloodstream. Peroxides do more damage than free radicals to the arteries, and the LDL has no protection from peroxides, causing the LDL to get stuck in the arteries, creating a potential blockage. Extendivite slowly chelates the metals away from the liver so it can dispose of what was meant to be a harmless process, peroxide. Extendivite 7 Herbs has a job to strengthen the organs and circulatory highway. Can you afford a heart attack? Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid form for just $69.95 for a two-month supply. To get started, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with
welcome back, folks. Last half hour, Liberation Station radio show. We'll just pick this clip up where we left off the last edition of The High Wire with Del Big Trade, Jeffrey Jackson. And uh, that was just the last uh, June 15th edition. So um, we'll resume in the last uh, few minutes of this and then take your call, Dave, in New York and any other calls who would like to line up, 512-248-8252. 512-248-8252 and troll free 800-313-9443 800-313-9443 and we shall resume that clip well i mean there it is and i remember you know those were some of the uh, arguments made when we've been attacked by you know these fact checkers like NewsGuard. we were questioning um, the validity of the natural origin story. You weren't allowed to do it. We were spreading misinformation by saying that this looks like it came from the lab or certainly seemed to have, you know, ferrin cleavage sites and things like that, HIV inserts, you know, by some scientists. And, and as I've said uh, from the beginning, you know, and we are, this is a breaking story. It may change. When you're watching The High Wire, what we're doing is we're bringing you all the latest breaking information. Many of the scientists studies that we're bringing you and things like that are preprints. It's just being released for people to look at it. They want scientists to challenge it. So this story may also keep changing. But so far, uh, from the beginning, it really has looked like this thing came out of the lab. And now the world has moved in the high wires direction on this conversation. Right. And so with that in mind, Let's take a little bit of a deeper dive than we normally do on these segments into the coronavirus response, the pandemic response, specifically the United States. Um, Most people remember President Trump at the beginning standing at a podium. You had Fauci behind him. You had this this government response. You had the lab coats, the doctors, the vaccine manufacturers, FDA, all promising transparency. But above all, it was a medical health agency response with the government. But there was a separate response running parallel to that. And it was by the military. This military complex was also in there running this COVID response. And for people that may not have seen it, this is what it looked like on December 12th, 2020, when the FDA had just greenlighted Pfizer's COVID shot for emergency use authorization and it was time to roll it out. Let's look at what the military was saying. We checked our egos at the door. We worked collectively to solve the problem, and we have achieved success, as was identified last night by the FDA when they approved EUA of the Pfizer vaccine. Now we'll begin distribution of safe and effective vaccines to the American people. You have heard me refer to today as D-Day. Some people assume that I meant day of distribution. In fact, D-Day in military designates the day the mission begins. D-Day was a pivotal turning point in World War II. It was the beginning of the end. D-Day was the beginning of the end, and that's where we are today. And that was General Gustav Perna. He was directing kind of the distribution of Operation Warp Speed. But you can see there that you know, there is a military flair to that. If this was the yeah. only video someone saw from, from the past, looking back into history, they'd say, wow, this really looks like the military was commanding this thing. And even before the coronavirus, a couple of years before that, 
We saw the military starting to get into collaboration with the FDA. Here's an article from 2017 in November, almost two years before we're actually knowing about the coronavirus. FDA and Pentagon in turf war over product, product approvals. And what they were talking about there was emergency use authorization products. The Pentagon, the Department of Defense, wanted really control over the emergency use authorization mechanism for times of war, times of biological attacks. They wanted to be able to fast track that on their own. And the FDA, you know, hats off to them at that point. They actually did put down their foot and said, no, this is our wheelhouse. We want to remain control on this. So what happened was there was a compromise. Public Law 115-92, cemented public law. And if we go into this and we look at it at the time, and this again is 2017, this was an act to amend the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act to authorize additional emergency uses for medical products to reduce deaths and severity of injuries caused by agents of war and for other purposes. And right after that, there was a great article on this that broke it down really with the legalese and how it really affected the future of EUAs. And this article, if anybody wants to look at this, this really breaks it down, a new era of collaboration between the Department of Defense and the FDA. And now this, this thing gets moving a little bit. It says a compromise emerged between the positions of the DOD and FDA, whereby DOD would get both the expansion of the EUA authority beyond CBRN, that's chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear threats, for battlefield trauma care and an expedited approval mechanism for DOD medical priorities, but where FDA retained the exclusive authority to authorize an EUA. So right there, we have DOD being married to the FDA, mm. uh, especially when it comes to any type of threat, um, you know, note biological, any type of threat that is going to be an issue, the DOD can have its hand in EUAs fast-tracking these medical priorities. So <clears throat> we fast forward to July of 2020, and we start looking at the contracts now. And it, this was five months, really, before we saw General Perna there go on the podium and say, this is D-Day. Five months before that, the U.S. starts looking at, the U.S. health agencies start looking at manufacturing ca uh, capability. Who can upscale this, this experimental mRNA vaccine platform? Who has the best capabilities to do this? We have this document, July 2020, and it says COVID-19 pandemic large-scale vaccine manufacturing demonstration. You can see at the bottom of this slide, requiring activity. It says it's a joint mission between the Department of Health and Human Services and the Department of Defense to combat COVID-19. So right there, they're both standing side by side doing, you know, walkthroughs of the Pfizer wow. plant, looking at manufacturing capability. Obviously, HHS is doing it from a public health standpoint. DOD is doing it from a militaristic standpoint. That's their goggles that they have on. So we go back into that document here, and it says at that time, this was when they were chosen, the government received and evaluated all proposals submitted and on a basis of selection has been executed, selecting Pfizer Incorporated as the awardee. It says the total approved cost to the government for this effort is not to exceed $1.95 billion and change there. And then you get to the actual contract, December, 20s, uh, December 2020. It says here, look in the scope of work. This is Pfizer's contract. Scope, the Department of Defense and the Department of Health and Human Services in support of national emergency response to the coronavirus disease 2019 requires the production of Pfizer vaccine BNT162B2 on the commercial uh, item basis up to 500 million doses to inoculate members of the DOD and the general public. So both, you can see there, HHS has the public in mind, DOD has military members in mind. So you can see they both have the same aims. They're both trying to get this, but they're separate. They're distinctly separate at that point. And then 
that moves on to international distribution. We have July 2021. We have the COVAX uh, instrument, basically. This was to inoculate low- and middle-income countries, African countries. And we go in here and we look at there, the scope of that document. Again, the DOD is right in there. DOD and their paired up with the United States Agency for International Development, USAID, in support of the global response. And you can see in there, they're looking for 500 million vaccines as well for the COVAX. That's an advanced market commitment. So this is where we start going internationally with this. So that's that's really the dis- distribution side of what's happening here. And again, you can see the the, the military is married to the public health agencies mm-hmm. although we don't see that too much in public we see popped it up here you know right. with i making that announcement but you really if from there it's very difficult to find the military's hand in this especially publicly um but we go into the the policy piece now and this is really where the rubber meets the road where the policy happens who's making the policy and how is that shaped and how is that rolled out so in 20 uh, 2006 we have the public health service act and you can see even in here from a policy standpoint, this is really the gold standard. This is the, the, the Bible of how the United States works when there's an emergency. And it says this, the Secretary of Health and Human Services shall assume operational control of emergency public health and medical response assets as necessary in the event of a public health emergency. But then it goes on to say, except that members of the armed forces under the authority of the Secretary of Defense shall remain under the command and control of the Secretary of Defense and shall any associated assets of the Department of the Defense. So you can see in there, again, even if there's emergency, we have two breakaway kind of civilizations there. Well, we have the it's public- interesting. It says in control of assets. And we just saw that one of those assets is they're a part of the purchase of these vaccines for both civilian and, and military so that's an asset so now you, yeah. you you have to imagine or they can be in control of that asset as it's delivered to the people exactly exactly and so now we get to the coronavirus response so we have all of this we have all of this policy already written in there we have the the vaccine the, the vaccine manufacturing you see the parallel lines there but now we have the actual plans this is the plans from the white house so in march 2020 the u.s government puts out this document and it's the covid 19 the u.s government's covid 19 response plan So this is kind of how it goes and flows. So we start reading into this. It says, this plan outlines the United States government's coordinated federal response activities for COVID-19 in the United States. The president appointed the vice president to lead the U.S. government's effort with the Department of Health and Human Services serving as the lead federal agency. And it just says after that, consistent basically with that Public Health Act. So you have Mike Pence. He's serving, serving as the lead, and the lead federal agency is Health and Human Services. Mike Pence is really the figurehead here, so we're, we're really lo- looking at the organizations, not so much Mike Pence. So we go into this document here, and it says, on January 27th, the president's coronavirus task force was formed and charged with leading the U.S. government response. The task force was initially led by the Secretary of Health and Human Services and coordinated through the NSC, the National Security Council. So let's look at a flow chart on this document and you can see at the top here in orange white house task force is at the top but to the left in that yellow box who is dictating policy the national security council that is who is dictating the lockdowns the masking the vaccination mandates everything school closures everything that had a meaningful impact or or, or a negative impact you know as our reporting has shown on this coronavirus response so we go into the next flow chart 
Remember, HHS was the leading agency. That was the head agency. And at the top here, you see HHS response structure. It's a big tree, but who's at the top? NSC, National Security Council. There it is again. They're getting, they're getting the, the lead horse in the HHS's response. Mm. So let's put a name to this now. We have this agency. So in February of 2020, remember that was March. That was kind of the blueprints for how we're going to roll this out. So in February of 2020, we started seeing headlines that look like this. White House names AIDS expert Deborah Burks to help lead coronavirus response. So now we have the coronavirus task force response coordinator, Deborah Burks. We have, she's on the board of directors of Operation Warp Speed, which was the distribution basically of the vaccines. And then she's the response coordinator at the National Security Council. So this is a person, remember now, Deborah Burks was this person for, as far as the public remembers, a woman, you know, could have been someone's mother, grandmother, wore as a scarf, kind of dressed down, always behind uh, President Trump, kind of in the shadows, not really saying too much, just kind of observing, standing next to Fauci. And that's where the public remembers about her. Now, here's another version of Deborah Burks that the public may not know about her. She was active duty military. So from 1980 to 1994, Burks served as an active wow. duty reserve officer in the U.S., in 1985, Burks began her career with the DOD, the Department of Defense, as a military-trained clinician in immunology focusing on AIDS and HIV vaccine research. I remember them really celebrating the AIDS part, but not the fact that she's really military. Really Absolutely. Right. And so and from 94 to 2008, she was active duty regular military. She achieved the rank of colonel. So this is not uh, this is not a a minor person this is a very serious person this is a very serious person with both a military career and you know some vaccine research and a medical career right. so what is the first thing she does when she gets in there remember mike pence is basically the head the go-to guy uh, under president trump so this the the, the response that's carried out should be from the dictates of president trump mike pence and their their cabinet if you will these are the headlines. As soon as Burks gets her hands on the controls, this is what we're looking at. Top Trump advisor bluntly contradicts president on COVID-19 threat, urging all-out response. She starts really contradicting him and going against, against his will. And, and that was just one of several articles showing this at that time. So how did she get there? It said White House picked. But really, when we start to look at this, the Brownstone Institute did a great article titled The Talented Mr. Pottinger. And this is the headline here. You can read this. The U.S. intelligence agent who pushed lockdowns. Now, who is Mr. Pottinger? This is Matthew Pottinger. He is a decorated intelligence officer. And we start to go into this article, and it says this. Uh, Pottinger became a decorated intelligence officer and met General Michael Flynn, who later appointed him to the National Security Council. There it is again. Pottinger was originally in line to be China director, but Flynn gave him the more senior job of Asia director. In 2019 of September, Pottinger was named Deputy National Security Advisor, second only to National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien. Now it gets to the coronavirus. It says, on January 14th, Pottinger authorized a briefing for the NSC staff by the State Department and the Department of Health and Human Services, along with CDC Director Redfield. The first interagency meeting to discuss the situation in Wuhan wasn't prompted by official intelligence. In fact, there was practically none of it. Now, Pottinger was in China. He was seeing what was happening on the ground, and he did this on his own. Now, it goes on to say, on, just, on January 27, 2020, Trump's staff attended the first full meeting on the coronavirus in the White House Situation Room. 
Unbeknownst to those in attendance, Pottinger had unilaterally called the meeting. Others urged calm, but Pottinger immediately began pushing for travel bans. So now, Del, we go to link these two up now. So we have Pottinger, we have Burks. Where's the connection? Well, it's actually in Deborah Burks's own book. She wrote a kind of a, a, a weird bragging tell-all book in 2022 called The Silent Invasion. And we go into that book and we start to read some of the some of the things that were in this book as quoted on January 28th, after meeting with Aaron uh, Walsh to solidify the planning and uh, schedule for the upcoming African Diplomatic Corps State Department meeting, I received a text from Yen Pottinger. Aside from being the wife of my friend Matt, the Deputy National Security Advisor, Yen was also a former colleague at the CDC and a trusted friend and a neighbor. Goes on to say, Matt had apologized for the short notice and said he hoped we could meet face to face. Yen arranged that so I can meet him in the West Wing. And once we were both there, Matt got to the point quickly. He offered me the position of... And take your calls. We'll just cut off that clip right there. We have two calls on the line. Stay tuned and we'll take your calls. We'll be right back. I got no to defend or attack. But still I see- what would you say if I told you we have a new tool that will increase production and lower maintenance costs for your meat processing company, and it would pay for itself in just six weeks? When pigs fly! The new Ease-Off Model EZ4 replaces old spring-style carcass droppers and is faster, safer, and more reliable. The Ease-Off lowers or lifts 1,000 pounds to or from your rail automatically using our remote control. Sounds expensive. Can I afford it? Can you afford not to try the Ease-Off? It installs fast with just three bolts in place of your current dropper. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue and injuries, speed up your line, eliminate downtime, and increase profit. How can I order my EaseOff? Go to EaseOff.com, E-A-Z-E-O-F-F.com, and hurry, because we are offering $200 off on the new Easy 4 for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC. Summersville, Missouri. 417-932-6419. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBtalk.com and join the social media revolution. Einstein once said, future medicine will be the medicine of frequencies. What did he know? Imagine you hear ocean waves caressing a beach or a favorite song from the past or the trickle of the babbling brook. All of these are sound frequencies that positively affect us. Terahertz is a soothing, healing frequency that has been proven to resonate at the same frequency as healthy cells. It penetrates the body and stimulates new healthy cell growth. Want to diminish muscle aches, joint pains, and experience a greater sense of well-being? 
Tired of spending money on short-term remedies that never seem to work? Soothing, healing, relaxing terahertz frequency is now available and as handy as flipping a switch. Terahertz technology is changing the course of what we were taught about how to maintain our health and well-being. To read more about this amazing breakthrough and to order your terahertz frequency want, go to naturalearthmedicine.com. That's naturalearthmedicine.com. station radio show and we will take your calls in just a quick second if you remember dr deborah burks uh why did she resign well she advised folks to not visit with relatives before thanksgiving in 2020 then she promptly ignored her own advice and resigned in shame set an example of how for such a massive deceit they had to flip the script and tell us that there was no longer the flu. So let us play that real quick, real quick. Of the exquisite monitoring that needs to occur in partnership with CDC and state and local governments, utilizing the surveillance systems that are available, what we just talked about, the flu surveillance system, because we no longer have flu, because we no longer have flu, because we no longer have flu, because we no longer have flu. And the syndromic respiratory system that is across the United States, and you can see it's going back to. And uh, you know, if you're wondering when, when she said that, oh, they, uh, she said that. Oh, is my mic going out? Is there, I'm sorry, there. She said that April 17th, uh, 2020, at a coronavirus task force briefing. Now, let's get your calls. Uh, David, New York, good afternoon. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, yes. Uh, well, we should um, <clears throat> we should keep it between the ditches and not hit anybody. That's the way most people live life. And by, by consent, all these things are happening. Um, will be acceptance of things as, as they come. It will be slipped in very, very cautiously very um so many different things going on at the same time that um these things are are easily accepted now um there's a lot of chatter on tiktok about military movements in cities uh tons of tanks around uh, montreal uh military vehicles on the streets in just a few but in philadelphia they're talking about L.A., uh, San Francisco. I saw Van Nuys Ave on the, the video. Uh, you know, Michigan, um, Idaho tanks. Uh, really a little unusual activity. And, of course, there's fighting south of the border um, of the U.S. as well. A lot of crazy things happening around the world, some sorts of movements like that, too. So um, I, I have information from three people that that you just wouldn't ignore. Two of them are... Basically, can you drop personally. that in the chat room, Dave? Uh, can that? you drop that in the chat room? Can you drop it in the chat room? And uh, I, I jo- dropped this stuff in the, the chat room before the show. Before the show. Oh, okay. It's already right, there. Great. 
Yeah, All and right, this sorry. whole Trump, Trump uh, return thing yeah. scenario, uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, something is. Uh, we uh, well, it, yeah, but, yeah, but Dave, this we is... got to we got to move on, uh, Dave, to the next call, and uh, we'll be talk about okay. that a little later. Sorry, uh, sorry for the uh, short trip there. Um, and uh, Tom in Florida, you got a few words. Yeah, yeah, I like to ask you, gentlemen: Is Fauci ever going to be arrested if they prove when they they already know this guy's a criminal? Why hasn't Fauci been arrested? Uh, and you know, and the whole thing has been a giant cabal of nonsense. Uh, right. Because I remember right. what, what, what are we... the Hong Kong. What's that? You got to risk Fauci, Birch. How many days did we have to put up with Trump leaving and Fauci and Birch day after day after day? I remember. Thanks for tuning in, folks, and make sure never again. Until next time, Liberation Station Radio Show, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Site is theliberationstation.com. Chris Steiner here. Until next time, I'll take great care. One of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs. For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. Hemppaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemppaste.com slash RBN. This is RBN, the Republic Broadcasting Network.